Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also join me for my live show five days a week, 9 a.m. to noon on AM 670 KMZQ. If you forget all that, you can also check out HeidiHarris.com where my books are up there, blog posts, obviously podcast archives, and there's a link to listen live to the show from anywhere at HeidiHarris.com. This morning, I was honored to be joined on my live show by Richard Jaffe, an attorney since the 1970s, who has prosecuted many, many cases, then became a defense attorney. Many, many cases over the course of his career, including many cases where people were possibly going to get the death penalty. He's also gotten a couple of people who had been sentenced to death, exonerated. Quite a career. Thrilled to be joined by Richard Jaffe with some perspective on the Derek Chauvin sentencing, what the actual verdict means, what about appeal. Here's my conversation with Richard Jaffe this morning. Richard Jaffe joins us. He's been an attorney since the 70s. He successfully prosecuted many cases, then became a defense attorney, defended hundreds of clients facing murder charges, including over 60 where the death penalty would have been imposed. I'm just curious uh, about how you can convict somebody on three different counts of murder. And what about the appeal? You know, there's going to be one. And what about the comments made by Maxine Waters, President Biden, Kamala Harris? Counselor, welcome to the Heidi Harris Show. Glad to have you. Uh, it's an honor, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. So what did you think when you heard that he was convicted on three different types? I mean, they they convicted him on second-degree unintentional murder, second-degree manslaughter, third-degree murder. Can you even con- do this? Can you even c- convict him of all three of these different types of murder with different types of descriptions? Yes. Under Minnesota law, you can absolutely do that because what happens is that the higher charge, which is second-degree unintentional murder, that one is encompassed or encompasses the other two, which okay. is third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter. So they're, they're not inconsistent verdicts. The point to remember is, is that Minnesota, like most states and federal, has uh, guidelines, sentencing guidelines, and what they'll do is they'll look to the guidelines and choose the higher one, which is second-degree unintentional murder, and use that one to decide the sentence. Now, the, the state is going to be asking for an enhanced sentence based on cruelty. And the sentence could be, and I, I don't remember if it's 30 or 40 years, the guidelines really is more like 12 and a half years. But they're going to be asking for significantly more than the 12 and a half years. Interesting. We're speaking with attorney Richard Jaffe, who has prosecuted and defended hundreds of cases over the course of his career. So uh, I would explain this to me like I'm four years old. Can they, so in other words, we've heard that it's up, up to 40 years, depending on one of these charges, when it, we initially thought it might be one of these charges. And apparently he can only get 12 years because he doesn't have any criminal record, right? That's where we're talking about the 12 years versus the 35 or 40 years. Well, not exactly. Okay. The 40 years is the statutory maximum for second-degree unintentional murder, that single largest charge. It's the sentencing guidelines that would presumptively suggest 12 and a half years, because he has no criminal record, to be the appropriate sentence. But the prosecutor has a right to ask for more than the... 12 and a half years, which is the guideline recommendation. Okay. And that's where the fight's going to be at the sentencing hearing. 
Got it. Okay. And now, the, clearly, this is going to go up for appeal. Uh, what, what, what about the comments made by Maxine Waters? Would that matter? Do we know whether or not the jury felt pressured from the outside? I mean, I guess we don't know all these factors, but how much do you think that will weigh in? Well, I think there's some interesting appellate issues, as there are in any major trial. And uh, the real question, I think, is did any jurors or were any jurors exposed to those comments? And if so, did it influence them or could it have influenced them? So that's going to be a factual determination. And if I were the attorney, and I've had similar cases before, I, I would... I would make a motion for a new trial and then subpoena those jurors and find out if any of them were exposed to it. Interesting. We're speaking with attorney Richard Jaffe. Now, this is a dumb question, maybe, but nowadays with all the technology out there, I would assume that when they sequester jurors, they take their phones away, right? You're absolutely right. Uh, They take away their phones and they block them from TV and radio and social media. But that doesn't mean that something didn't slip by. Right. That's the problem. That's always the, other, the concern, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. The the other and, and look, they they found jurors during uh, during the trials in cases where they've tweeted or sent emails or texted <laughs> their family members and friends and social media commenting on the uh, proceedings, and that's improper. So. You know, that's a fertile ground. The other thing, too, is, and what struck me the most was this third-degree murder. It's, to me, it's very contentious, meaning, look, it, it says perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others. And that was initially thrown out. It was reinstated by the trial judge. And I think that was a mistake because I don't know who the others were that were eminently in danger. I don't know who they could possibly be unless the theory is is that the bystanders could have rioted or that they could have. That befuddles me. Yeah, that seems a bit of a stretch to me. We're speaking with Attorney Richard Jaffe. That does seem to be a bit of a stretch. You know, the thing that bothered me the most about this case was the idea that he didn't, Derek Chauvin didn't care. He didn't care what happened to George Floyd. I mean, he did not care. So I've had people say, well, he didn't mean to kill him. I I don't care if he meant to kill him. He just didn't care if the man's face was jammed down into the gutter for nine minutes. He didn't care if he was breathing. Even when the other officer tried to say, hey, you want to roll on my side, you know, excited delirium, whatever. He didn't care. And that really bothered me the most. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a, there's a look he, he made where yes. somebody caught it on an iPhone where it, it's clear that he's practically smirking. Mm-hmm. And I think that he wasn't concerned about being held accountable. Right. And, you know, the question becomes, Counselor, we're speaking with Attorney Richard Jaffe. The question becomes, what if there hadn't been a video, right? I mean, that's the crazy thing. Yeah, if there hadn't been a video and, 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 or body cam or any of that... Who knows what would have happened, but these days, everything's out in the open. Everything's pretty transparent. Yeah, that's true. Now, what do you think? We're speaking with Attorney Richard Jaffe. What do you think about these other officers who are going to go on trial? We don't really know how far it will go with them, but one of the officers was seen on the body cam footage. He was on his legs. You probably saw this. And he, he said, you know, do you want to turn him on his side? You know, maybe excited delirium. He was concerned about the man's health, obviously. And, of course, he was, you know, Derek Chauvin wasn't having any of it. Will that become a factor when he goes to trial individually? I think it will. 
uh, if he was doing anything to mitigate, then that's in his favor. The real question is, what responsibility legally did each of these officers have to intervene? That's going to be the real question for the future trials. Right, because there's a moral obligation that you have to stand up for a fellow human being, and there were people on the curb yelling, you know, screaming obscenities at the cops. I probably would have been, too, because of what they were seeing. But then, you know, there's always this, you know, the standing. You're a police officer. You're higher ranked than the other one. You don't really have the right to speak up. I believe one of them was fairly new on the job. So there's that factor also, too. Yeah, there are going to be different standards, and and you're absolutely correct. The, The ones that were in supervisory capacity had a responsibility to step in. The ones that were less than that, then the question becomes, it's a little more than a moral. It certainly was a moral one, but it's a little more in it. What do you do if you see someone in the process of hurting someone else, even if it's a fellow police officer? Do you sit by and let it happen, or do you intervene? Right, and, and, and the question, yeah, yeah. But I was going to say because the because the question is what's morally what's morally required, which would, a lot of us would say, you know, this is morally correct versus what's legally correct. That's where the distinctions got to be made, right? Well, that's absolutely right. But there might be legal responsibilities. For example, you're going to need to look at the policies uh, uh, that they were trained on. Were they trained to step in if they see a fellow officer? going over the top. And a lot of that's going to depend on, on how they were trained. Interesting. We're speaking with Attorney Richard Jaffe. So what, what do you think the odds are that they're able to get a new trial based on everything that we, we, you know, we haven't seen every minute of it. I tried to watch as much as I could of the testimony. I'm sure you probably watched some of it too. But what, what are you thinking as somebody who's tried hundreds of cases? Well, look, let me just say this. That to, get a, to get a new trial on any case is... The odds are really low, but in these high-profile cases, uh, they look at them very carefully. And if there's any issue of evidence or otherwise, such as whether they should have granted a change of venue or whether a juror is exposed to Maxine Waters or anything else, these are weighty issues, and they're going to be looked at very carefully. But I would never give odds or handicap the chances of winning on appeal, except to say that, in a generally speaking, they're always low. Interesting. Now, I've talked to one of my friends. We'll have him on tomorrow. He's a radio talk show host in Minnesota. He told me that, because I was thinking, Derek Chauvin, you they got him dead to rights. We've got him on this video. I, all different versions. I don't care what kind of angle you look at. It looks terrible. And I wondered, didn't they offer this guy a plea? He said that they didn't offer him a plea. Is that something that could come up on appeal? That cannot come up on appeal. In other words, it'll have no weight on appeal. But that's the, unfortunately, and I think you and I have even talked about this before, that's the politics involved. Right. There were a number of people that were urging that this be pleaded out, and uh, for whatever reason it wasn't. But but that is not really an, an appeal issue for the most part. Interesting. So that can't come up, the idea that they, you know, anybody else, they probably would have given them some kind of a possibility for appeal, but there's no way in this, in this case, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's right. Uh, there's, a, there's a legal maximum cause. You can't selectively prosecute, meaning you can't treat one person differently than you 
treat others similarly situated. But that, that's not going anywhere in this case, in my opinion. Interesting. We're speaking with attorney Richard Jaffe, who has prosecuted and defended hundreds and hundreds of major cases. You've defended many, many minority folks over the course of your career. And, you know, it was interesting that the Derek Chauvin case, nobody brought up race, which I don't think was a factor in this. Any comments on that? You know, it's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. I was interviewed three times yesterday here in Alabama, and none of the people, uh, the news folks, and they're good ones, asked me about race. I brought it up anyway, and I said exactly what you said, Heidi, which was it's, it, it's interesting and, and revealing that race did not appear to be a factor because it's a factor in almost every case. So it's clear to me that that. The jurors were looking at this simply as did this particular law enforcement officer go way, way too far. And race, in my opinion, did not matter in this case. And I think that's refreshing. Yeah, I think it is refreshing. We're speaking with Attorney Richard Jaffe. Also interesting was the fact that all the police, I didn't see any police officers testifying on his behalf. Everybody seemed to distance themselves from him immediately. That's absolutely right. And because... We all know, and you said it a little while ago, is that it just objectively, he just went so over the top, so far off the mark, so off the reservation. And I don't think anybody wanted to taint the police department more or themselves by testifying for him. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what do you think is going to happen? We obviously don't know what the evidence is, and we've seen the body cam footage and whatnot. These other police officers, do you think they'll be allowed to plead? Do you think they'll make them go to trial? And if they do, will the charges be – we don't even know, obviously, a lot of this. We're just, uh, you know, guessing. But what, what's your guess on that? It, it would be a guess, but I'm guessing they're going to let a, a good bit of people plead out. Uh, I don't think they want another trial for – clear reasons, uh, reasons that, of disruption, reasons that it, it, it's not, it's probably not necessary to try to send people to prison for not intervening, although they had a legal responsibility to probably do that. But ju- just prosecuting them and getting a plea would be significant. Um, and the real question is going to be, if they're able to come together and plead it out or whether they're going to be additional trials, there might be one or more. But uh, I think I think pleas are certainly in the air. Yeah, I would imagine because, you know, it's, it's going to cost them a lot of money to do this and, and it's going to bring more attention to the case again. And I don't know that that benefits the community necessarily if you can find some kind of justice in another way. I think that's precisely right. I think you said it a lot better than I did. Yeah, right, Counselor. Sure. Richard Jaffe, thanks for joining me this morning. I knew you were in the middle going from one meeting to another, and I'm so thrilled that you joined me, and I appreciate your perspective. By the way, your book was excellent. Everybody should get it. I read it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, you had quite the career. It's been amazing. And uh, mention your name in the book because I don't have it in front of me here. I did read it, though. Oh, It's it's Quest for Justice, Defending the Dam, second edition. Thanks for the great interview. Thanks for... Spending time with me, and thanks for mentioning my book. Well, no, it was excellent. I, once again, I'll mention it's called Quest for Justice, Defending the Dam, because you've defended a lot of cases that nobody wanted to get near, and you've had tremendous results for a lot of people who, you know, other people would have just said the heck with them. They don't have any money. We don't care. doesn't look like a good case. And you've been doing this your whole career, and I, I really am grateful that you've done this. A counselor, thank you for being here. That's Richard Jaffe. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much.
What a privilege to speak to him. We will stay on top of this situation with Derek Chauvin because obviously this case has implications for the entire country. Don't forget to join me weekdays, 9 a.m. to noon, live from my radio show on 670 AM KMZQ. We talk about local issues, national issues. Whatever the story of the day is, we're on it on The Heidi Harris Show. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scott.